This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Jackbox. Get five hilarious party games in the Jackbox Party Pack from the creators of You Don't Know Jack. Now on Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Steam, and more. Go to jackboxgames.com for more info. Welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guests today are Bennett Botero and Brendan Stallings, and they talk to me about pen and paper RPGs. If you're not familiar, uh, some other names, tabletop RPGs, any kind of role-playing game that you play uh, while writing out a board, uh, you have a usually a game master or a dungeon master as is in the most classic example of these games dungeons and dragons uh so there's a lot of dungeons and dragons talk especially at the beginning but we definitely get into some lesser known uh pen and paper rpgs and some other uh ways that rpgs uh have kind of invaded brennan and bennett's lives specifically in a show that they are both uh, currently starring in and helped produce uh, called Fight Quest with the Otherworld Theater Company. You may remember some other members of the Otherworld Theater Company being on the show in the past. I've had a really great time each time I've had some members of the company on the show. They're just very easy to talk to, very conversational, all very passionate people about what they're bringing to the table they just make my job super easy because they're really smart, funny uh, creators of theater and people who have opinions about the things that they're talking about. And well, what better way to start out on a show like this than with something like that? So fans of sh- of RPGs will definitely find a lot to enjoy in here. Um, and uh, people newer to it, like myself, I admitted my ignorance on a lot of this stuff, will definitely be introduced in a way that they may have been a little lost before. I think there's definitely something to be said for that. I, I really didn't have any concept of what these kinds of games were until the last couple years or so. i uh, played a little bit, very, very little bit. Uh, I've still never played D&D. Um, but outside of that, I just have a much better understanding of the worlds that can be created and the kinds of things that people really draw to, and that is something that we definitely cover in here. If you want to see Fight Quest, you have one more week to see it at the Public House Theater. If you're listening to this when the episode comes out, it's on May 22nd at 7 p.m. at the Public House. That's a Sunday. But they're moving the show to Comedy Sports, which I think is a wonderful venue for it, starting June 8th at 8 p.m., So that'll be a Wednesday night run, Uh, so check that out. I strongly encourage you. I think that's a great show in general, or great concept for a show, and great concept to take to comedy sports. Uh, I think that's about it as intro for this. Please come check out Attend the Tale of Danny Tanner this Saturday, 10.30, the Playground Theater, or next Saturday... 10:30, the playground theater that is may 21st and 28th those are the last two chances to see the 
show. Sold out last week. Hot ticket. <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, but in all seriousness, it's a very fun show. I'm having a total blast with it. The cast is amazing. The music is great. If anything about the idea of Danny Tanner becoming a serial killer interests you uh, and watching it in a musical form, then you should come watch that. Uh... Thursday nights, 9.30, The Fishbowl at the Annoyance Theater. That's every single Thursday. If you haven't seen that and you want to see an improv show in the city, I strongly encourage that to be the one you check out. Uh, MBSing is a part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. I give One Shot Podcast and the Campaign Podcast uh, uh, some shout-outs and a decent amount of love in this episode because they are podcasts that are part of the CPC that are uh, recorded versions of nerds and, and improvisers and game designers, etc., all over Chicago playing RPGs. These two guys have been on those podcasts before, on one of them before, a one-shot, I believe. Uh, so if you think that uh, these guys talking about these games sounds like a blast and you want to hear other people playing along, then check those out. Campaign specifically is a small group of Chicago improvisers playing through an ongoing role-playing game set in the Star Wars universe. It's hosted by Cat Cull. I mentioned James D'Amato a lot in the episode. He's the host of the One Shot Podcast. The two of them together made this great game that's uh, been fully funded on Kickstarter, but I'm sure they would love a continued support called Noisy Person Cards. I talk about it more during the episode because uh, I had a couple of mind-blowing revelations that NPC is an RPG term. Guys, it was a big day for me. It was a really big day for me. And it was a big day for them that they got all funded. That's so cool. Um, so support that if you hear a little more about it and think, man, that sounds like a great idea because I think it is. Uh, I think that's it. I think one of the best, coolest things that came out of this is that Bennett and Brennan agreed that they feel like playing D&D &D made them a more empathetic person. Each one of them felt that way. That's awesome. That gameplay could make someone feel like they understand other people better. It really makes perfect sense in context. Uh, so that was a real joy for me to hear from them. And uh, thank you also to Bennett's lovely girlfriend, Eliza Smith, who was in the studio while we were recording, but was totally respectable and, uh, you know, enjoyed the conversation, chimed in once or twice, um, but mostly was just there for support and was really nice and sweet and fun to meet as well. So just to give her a little bitty shout out, uh, thanks to all three of these folks. Please check out Fight Quest and all the other stuff that Otherworld Theater Company does because they're really, really great folks. And uh, enjoy the app. Uh, my guests today are Bennett Botero and Brandon Stallings. Hello. Hey. Yeah. Um, go ahead and introduce yourselves individually so people know which voice is which. Sure. This is Brendan Stallings. And uh, this is Bennett Botero. Yeah. Yes. And we are here representing Otherworld Theater Company. Hell yeah. Uh, Chicago's only exclusively science fiction and fantasy theater company. What up? Uh, <laughs> I am the press and PR manager. I'm the dramaturge. Nice. Excellent. Uh, and I've had some other members of you guys' company on before, and it's always been a blast. Yes. Mary-Kate and, uh, and Mora. And we, I did another one with Mary-Kate and uh, Elliot Sowards. And yes. Dylan, 
what was Schaefer. Schaefer Sheffier. with Mary Kate back again to Mary talk Kate Arnold Shakespeare, and that was totally delightful. Uh, when you guys did the Messina, Messina. three thousand and four, the the dystopian futuristic post apocalyptic retelling of Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, I always want to add a space odyssey at the end of three thousand. <laughs> so many caveats. That was Elliot made uh, the joke and said it was a common one among the company that uh, that you never wanted to do a show that was just Much Ado About Nothing in space. <laughs> yeah, we we don't just want to like take shows and then just sort of put like a sci fi or fan fantasy skin over them yeah and then like, not change them that's so transparent and uninteresting and also gets done a lot yeah they're just like hey here's this thing but with a twist yeah although the um, cast got really into our backstory for messina to the point where we decided that uh it was the post-apocalypse was because we were the people who were left behind but the rich uh aristocracy left on a cruise vessel to mars which would be the setting for our uh, a Mars Summer Night's Dream. Oh, <laughs> boy. Mm-hmm, where hey. all the fairies would just be Martians. You got the season set for next year? <laughs> or, <laughs> well, well, funny you should say that because our next show takes place on Mars. Mm-hmm. That's great. We're doing a devised adaptation of Princess of Mars. Uh, oh, which cool. Was, which is what the movie John Carter of yep. Mars is based on. We're making a show. We're which turning I, that into a play and I doing it that, in September. I saw John right. Carter on TV like years ago, and I remember thinking... I actually really like this movie. I wouldn't have minded seeing a sequel. Never got one. Yeah, they didn't like advertise it. Or it, it was considered pr- a pretty big flop. Yeah, like I don't think anyone other than me saw it. I, I'm not. I yeah, was like, oh, okay. I don't think it was critically panned though. Just nobody went to see I, it. I, yeah. I think they just didn't find their audience very well. Uh, well, it's good to know that that's yes. what's on deck, Ooh, but yeah, yeah. what you're working on now is called Fight Quest. Yes, indeed. Yes. Fight Quest. It's a choose-your-own-adventure fight show, which means... Slash RPG. <laughs> it's it's kind of plays like an RPG. So the premise is uh, it we have this fantasy module uh, called... You say it better than I do. The Bandits of Hollow Hill is our first campaign module. For those of you new to the world of role-playing games, a campaign module is a pre-made adventure, a story that's been written ahead of time, lacking just one crucial element to reach completion. And that element is a protagonist, which we pull out from the audience to be our player character and then let them pick one of our four class avatars. Uh, Brendan here plays the monk. Yep. We also have a barbarian a ranger and her wolf, and a rogue assassin. And so we, the ranger is Mora, Mora right? Yep. Yeah. Mora Begale, Begale is the ranger. Kai Young, uh, our fight director, is the wolf. her wolf. Awesome. They fight as a team. Awesome. Um, and then we have, uh, so they we essentially have four scripts. So depending on which character they pick, we they become the hero for that show. And we play through the entire show with them as the champion. That's so cool. And the and we keep the the person we pull out of the audience around, and they get to make choices. Mm-hmm. Like we come up to uh, difficult choices in the adventure, and they have to choose which path they want to go down. Uh, we have a big plush D4 that we use to do skill checks. That's great. So if you choose to do something difficult or complicated. Because I was imagining that you had to do some oh, yeah. rolling. Like, how yes. could you not? We, but the, the idea of it just being a big, instead of just using, like, a little box and a die, it, that's, <laughs> the, that's such a no, it's about fix. This, it's about... Uh, I don't know, like six to eight inches across. Like yeah, a it's about head size. Softball it's, or it's a like head size die. It's a four a four sided <laughs> die. The first time we did uh, a fight a fight quest period was for uh, fight night, 
uh, Fight Night Ten, 10 last uh, last August, and Brendan brought in the die his die from home. We're like, okay, well, we're gonna use that in this show because I happened to own a big plush D four from the comic book store I used to work at. In awesome. Oklahoma and when we were we were writing the next one. We were like, well. I'm just going to write in a ton of stuff for the die. The die is amazing. <laughs> you have to have elements of chance. It can't just be left or right. Yeah, especially if you introduce the idea that uh, the audience member who is chosen as the hero is what kind of, you know, what you sculpt the show around. If that's, if, if it's kind of, I know that's like some people's hang up with long form improv yeah. is that as an audience member, you give a suggestion and you like expect to be a little more involved than you actually end up being. So it's it's nice that there's also there's some other elements in, built in there. To yeah. uh, they're pretty actively involved throughout the entire show. That's awesome. And well, we we even encourage them and sort of try to get the all audience as a whole involved. Yeah. Anytime they're not things. sure which to go, it becomes sort of Price is Writing, where it's like, yeah, go to the audience. What do, do they think you should do? It's That's like, awesome. Pre-game, really violent come to or our show mercy. Yeah, pre-game, come to our show, get drinks in the theater, and then come inside. And, and uh, with, with a little restraint, which I, as the game master, will calm you down, but be as rowdy as you want when we ask you to. Like, shout out, yell at them for picking <laughs> the wrong answer. Yeah, that's all great. That's great. <laughs> I feel like that also takes a li- I guess being an audience volunteer, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into, but sometimes people will, like clam up in that situation and it's nice to to have the the audience on their side oh, as well. It was great. Uh one of the one of the volunteers we had uh for our barbarian character kind of panicked a little bit mm-hmm. through his name because we we asked them to name the character and then for the barbarian specifically, they give him a title. Uh, the the joke when we always had backstage was like Justin the well endowed right uh, but this one he gave <laughs> classic us, this one he gave us Randall the savage not realizing that our barbarian is a huge WWE fan uh, who just did macho straight. who just did macho man jokes the whole show yeah and he basically just became the macho I didn't even Got it. I didn't even realize it. Like, cause I, I would not have. I didn't think that when you first no, said it, but I well, we were joking. I <laughs> Randall was, Man, because I I like making Macho, macho Man, man jokes too savage. backstage with him, but we sense. we didn't realize it was Randall. I didn't realize it was Randall the Savage that until like the first scene when I was like, oh my god, a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then the whole show took on a little bit of a wrestling twist, <laughs> yeah. which is funny because you even called him out. Spoil. I was gonna say uh, at the after one of our fights, I started just making up some nonsense and like challenged him to a rematch next week where i was like next sunday that's same time really seven funny. o'clock you and me we're gonna do this again that's really funny which they did because you got the player character yeah and then we, did, we just incidentally ended up having the same fight that's great yeah uh so with that intro um, yes. We can certainly dovetail Plug. this into uh, what we'll spend a majority of time talking about, um, which is pencil and paper RPGs, um, which it seems like your show is kind of a staged example yeah, of, to a certain extent. Uh, originally, me and some other world people tried to make uh, uh, a more improv Dungeons & Dragons game, mm-hmm. uh, which this took a lot of inspiration from because I'm a huge D&D nerd. <laughs> it's okay, there's... There's more of us than you think. Yeah. <laughs> What's the origin of that love for both of you guys? I I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know 100. percent I I know why I wanted to play D and D because it, it in it was sort of existed when I was growing up in Legend. Like I didn't know anyone who played it, 
but it was it was the quintessential role playing game. It was the only one I knew that existed. And then oddly enough, when I was in middle school and high school, um, I ended up my have a, a older brother who's only like a year and a half older than me. Mm-hmm. So I ended up hanging out with him and his friends a lot just accidentally because we were involved in a lot of the same things like Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. So I was just around. Um, and he and his friends got really into a different system, which is the World of Darkness system, like the White Wolf system, where you yeah. have vampires and werewolves and mages. But it's another D&D. Uh, but it, yeah, it's still paper and pencil. You create yeah. a characters. You have a uh, like a dungeon master or a game master. Just more which, gothic themed. In okay. case you couldn't tell from the lovely intro, Bennett in Fight Quest is our game master, right? Um, and takes care of the players. Um, but they like, just sort of let me because I begged them to let me play. So when they would go and make these huge vampire campaigns, they would like I would either just get, sit there and watch them, and it was also a D10 system, which is very different. It's based on multiple successes and. Um, I was fascinated by like having this huge character sheet and flipping through pages of a book and like it's in if I can steal a line from of Dice and Men it's like sure it's like rules for playing pretend <laughs> yeah sure which I, as a kid I was like always didn't know what to do and loved rules because that was how I knew how I wouldn't get in trouble is yeah. if I followed the rules so I clung to them like a piece of driftwood in a hurricane um, so I found that fascinating and really complicated and wanted like my brothers as a physicist who works for the Air Force is like with lasers. So mm. I always wanted to try to be a smart kid as well. Um, turned out I'm an actor and a comedian, so that didn't work <laughs> out. Yeah, but, uh, kind of on the same I track. Think, yeah. I, I think there's, I think most families have like one of one and one of the other. That, that's my brother's a mechanical engineer, so I get that feeling. <laughs> Older brother? Yep. Are you in the middle? Uh, it's just me and him. Okay. Yeah. So second, but yeah. Because yeah. I have a younger sister that put me in the middle, but in the same of like, in order wise. So yeah. I, I wanted, it was like, this looks like, because only, only the nerdy kids, because my, all my brother's friends were huge nerds, and they played it, and they lost their mind over it, and they got really involved, and I didn't have anything to do as like a 13, 14 year old. I was sure. just, it was like, I had video games, but they weren't particularly communal mm-hmm. back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it wasn't like you could just go online and play with your friends with a headset. Um, no, it was like to, you to play- vaguely date myself. <laughs> One person playing as Mario, and then yeah. another person. Oh, you also played the Mario Luigi. RPG. <laughs> <laughs> Game is tight because we we had like a Nintendo and a Sega, and and uh, like early computer games like five and a quarter inch floppies, and mm-hmm. a lot of old flight simulators, like things with joysticks. Joysticks used to be huge. Yeah, for all you younger listeners, <laughs> if you if you had a joystick attached to your computer you knew they were a gamer that's right. just a thing right and whereas quality- now it's like if you have a pc you built yourself then you're a gamer <laughs> yes i mean i remember looking at like a best buy catalog and, like it was porn and being like oh look at that joystick look uh. at all the buttons look at all the you can oh you've got a throttle Do oh you my see the God. size of that hard drive <laughs> kind of uh, but like we we grew up having to be like all right it's your turn my turn your turn my turn so the idea of like playing a communal game mm-hmm. that was really involved was fascinating to me and they would always use all these different terminologies, like all the different vampire clans, which if I if I had to, I think I could name all 13, but I'm not going to try. I would be super impressed, actually. <laughs> well, you've got the Ventrus and the Toreadors and the Brujas or Brujas. You've got the Gangrels, the Nosferatu, the Followers of Set, 
the Giovanni, the Malkavians. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> what am I up That's, to? You're at eight. Uh, you've got the Tremere, which were former mages, which is why they can like shoot fireballs and things. Noted. Um, you've got the the uh, the assassins from the east. What are they? That's the. It starts with an oh, you're so close A. To I know. Uh, it's like the uh, 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 Asimites. They're called Asimites. Um, and you've got the. Uh, I'm, I think I'm missing one from the the Camarilla was the group that actually like enga- actively engaged <laughs> with. Uh, I'm I think I'm missing I'm one. Really of them. Yeah, no, I, I, am, I am too. What am I at right now? When's You're the last 11. time you actually played 11. this game? Has it been since you were like a kid? Uh, I used to. Well, I had this. Uh, I was really. Uh, I got this game. There's a, a computer game called Vampire: The Masquerade Redemption, and mm-hmm. in the the opening like title screen it had all the symbols down either side of the screen and i used to just recite them based on the symbol for the clan because i was going to be impressed my brother and his friends by knowing all yeah of course um who am i missing two i don't know which ones though um oh the the cappadocians because they don't exist anymore because the giovanni ate them oh uh and then um who am i missing I'm sure my brother's like, you're stupid. It's the 13th one. Yeah, uh, right. no, there, there's somebody out there who's anyway. like, come on. How <laughs> could you forget them? I'm going to. Uh, 12 I'll, is still incredibly impressive. I'm legit impressed. I do think there's something to be said for the thing you get into when you're like 12 being the thing that you still have encyclopedic knowledge on. If I recited fast well, enough, yeah. I can still do uh, Yakko's World. Oh, uh, that's impressive. Like all of the uh, countries. All of them. That, see, that's like It useful. starts with the United States. That's all you it need does. to know. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Uh, that's as far as uh, I get. Da, 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 da. Nope. I can, I can, By the way, I Rob Paulson can still do that at the yeah, top of the Yeah, I'm, I'm always super he impressed. He does it at cons he, all the time. I heard him do it him. on The Nerdist, and I was like, this is the best. And what's, <laughs> He's what's such a, a good sport about it, too, because you'd think if any other voice actor would be like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and he seems like that whole episode of him on The Nerdist, like he just seems like the most cordial, happy, be like fun up for it dude it's it's not impressive that he can do it still because i can do it still he can do it slowly like he can can do it word by like country by country knows exactly what's i bet if you gave him a map he could point out each one (laughs) in order in order i uh because i learned it in third grade for uh south carolina history class know all of the uh South Carolina counties mm. in alphabetical order. That's there that's are 46. Because, I mean, knowing vampire clans is useless knowledge, but counties but is like, useless. Yeah, like... I mean, it's it's more useful in a real-world setting, yeah. but, like, who knows all the counties? And in a state I don't live in anymore. <laughs> yeah. If you had never lived there, I would be even more That impressed. would be, like, why is that taking up space in your brain? You don't get to decide what takes up space. Uh, so what's the origin story for you, Bennett? So I was always a kid with an overactive imagination. Uh, I have many things that I call head cannons, uh, which is a different term for normal people. But for me, it just means the daydreams I frequently go through. Uh, I love I, you gave me that term, and I absolutely love it. And I think it's a term we should con- convince yeah. everyone to use. Everyone I like that a lot, cannons. too. Head cannon is anything that you have decided is reality in your, your head. head. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and, uh, when I got to high school, I met these, cause I moved to high school where I met Eliza Smith. Here's my girlfriend right now. She's also here with us. Uh, I'm glad someone called on call, the elephant called, in the called room. It, called it out. <laughs> Don't call her an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but no, uh, below no, us were intended. these two twins, what? the Wascos, Chris and Nick, uh, who... You're making this up. I am not. This sounds uh, like you're writing a TV Nick show. Wasco. 100% Chris and Nick Wasco. Sounds like a Bob's Burgers episode. Uh, they had a bunch of D&D books in their room, and I remember seeing it and just being like, I've always wanted to learn how to play Dungeons & Dragons. This other kid, Gus, I don't remember his last name. <laughs> Uh, he, but he was a couple years older than us, and he was hilarious, and he kept talking about like some big D&D things that he would do, and I always wanted to play. But the Wascos wouldn't teach me because they didn't want to lend me their books. Because uh, they thought it would take too long, and they're, they were kind of sensitive about it. So for a while, I just had to like daydream from afar until senior year. And in our high school, in senior year, instead of doing a gym class, you do a dance class. Uh, run by this big Italian man. What was his name? Santangeli, I want to say? Or is that somebody else? Mr. Santangeli. Santangeli. Uh, Mr. Santangeli. <laughs> again, making this up. Nope. Yeah. 100%. Every, again, sounds like a Bob's Burgers character. Yeah. Uh, he, we were in his class, and I was in it with a kid named Rob Fiore, who was our football captain, lacrosse captain, and one of our wrestling stars. Oh, my God. And clearly God. taught government or history, right? <laughs> I don't think or so. Or health. Uh, Rob was just in our grade. He came in one day and announced to the class before we started that his online group had quit on him, and he's <gasps> looking to keep playing, so he doesn't know if anyone has ever played or wants to learn how to play Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, my God. And the entire class laughed at him, and for the rest of the term, Santangeli called him D&D. <gasps> but I was like, you, I'll play. Fuck yes. it. I've always wanted to <laughs> That's learn. That's crazy. So he came in the next what day fun. with, like, three books and was like, these are what you got to learn. I think you'd be a really good bard, but here are some other classes you might enjoy. <laughs> and I, I so made... So sweet of him to just put you into it like that and make you not have to do the overhead of learning a whole system. Uh, he asked if I knew anyone else, so I brought in Chris and Nick. And But uh, see, like, fuck every... Chris and Nick, because it took the guy who, like, no one would have expected to be playing I that know. game w- which, to teach you how to which play Which is amazing. Rob, That's awesome. Wherever you are, we, don't, we, don't t- we haven't talked since high school, but I always think back on you fondly. That's so lovely. Also, I think every D&D group has a Chris and a Nick. Yeah, yeah right? We, uh, the most common D&D names. <laughs> right. I made an 18th level character that was horrible looking back on it but for for the time i thought it was level? awesome yeah that's you what he started that's what he level? wanted to start off with was oh, 18th boy. level in I, case for all you lay people uh <laughs> level 20 is epic level where you have to get a different book because you can fight no no, no no 21 or, is epic you, oh, it's you're 1 right, through right. 20 yeah, but yes uh for kids out there yes. wanting to start on D D, don't don't start at 18th level start no. at, start at first level if you've played games before, start at maybe third level. Don't start at 18th level. You don't know what Jesus. you're doing. That's like but starting I remember, any video game in 30 hours. I remember hours struggling to make right. the first character, and he was horribly underpowered. But uh, but I illegally downloaded, because I was a senior in high school, all of the 3.5 books. At the time, there were a ton, because 4th edition was about to come out. I didn't know this, but they were about to like announce it soon, and it was going to come out real soon. Uh, and I... Booksturbated the crap out of them. Booksturbating for you that do not. So reference another reference to of Dyson men. Uh, but booksturbating is when you read specifically uh, gaming books mm-hmm. to just like ponder the possibilities and maybe like think up a cool character design or a future campaign idea or or just 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 to enjoy the flavor. Uh, There's a I, I assume well. 
I should, I guess I shouldn't, but there's a, a sports term of roster baiting, which go. is like preseason uh, is yes. the discussion of sports fans thinking of like yeah. who will make the fantasy football, basically is still just fantasy. obsessing over the imaginary possibilities of enjoying a thing that will happen in the future. Yes. And my, my brother is yeah. a, a massive roster baiter. <laughs> I, I only played one game with Rob. It's but, a weird thing to say then, about your brother on, on a podcast. <laughs> now that, now that Chris and Nick knew I knew how to play then they started their own campaign. So it was, I think Chris uh, was the first game uh, dungeon master. And then it was me, Nick, their sister, Renee, our friend Talbot Eckweiler, uh, our friend Deirdre Lewis. And I think uh, Jared Emanuel played too. And we played like two or three games, but I didn't actually get to play a lot of it until I got to college where I still couldn't get people to last for more than a day. So I started playing forum uh, post by post games Yeah, where sure. I learned how to play most of my obscure ones. Which is what Rob was referring to that people had built on him, right? Yeah. Uh, Although I think he might have just played like Skype-based games. I never actually got the story from him. Wow. uh, But once I got to college, I met this kid, Keanonical, who uh, towards – we we, we tried so hard to get an ongoing campaign to the point that in senior year, I told a friend I would do his film project, and he was like, great, we're meeting Tuesdays. And then Kean texted me like that night. I, fa- I finally found a D&D campaign. We meet Tuesdays, and I called my friend uh, up and canceled the film. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I could play D&D. At least it was same day. You he know? Was game- and that he- was clearly the last time I- you've canceled plans to play D&D. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. The only reason I canceled my friend was because he ha- he's like, would you mind playing this like really bit part? And I was like, I guess. Sure. Uh, and I went in for like two days, and uh, then <laughs> I got this other thing, and I was like, no, I'm playing D&D, <laughs> which lasted for three years. Hey, uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's it's, a long campaign. It still kind of is ongoing. I'll probably play again this Tuesday. With that same group? With that same that's group. That's awesome. Same character? Uh, no, we, we played. Uh, I played two characters in our 4th edition game, and then we played oh. a couple 5th edition. Now I'm playing a character called Thomas the Cursed, who is uh, a necromancer with uh, <laughs> very poor social skills. Uh, How many of them have good social skills? Uh, necromancers i mean i don't know that's a good question i mean they make their own friends so right thomas's whole thing is is he's like he's kind of like if a necromancer was ever homeschooled (laughs) 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 uh he calls all his skeletons chesters and uh (laughs) the church he was raised in used to force feed him truth serums because they thought he was a demon spawn uh and now he's addicted to the truth Oh my gosh! Uh, so he he and raising the I, dead. I, I I've got a sweet hookup that my DM introduced me to this uh, fairy named Jizz, uh, <laughs> who hands me who who gives me some uh, some leaves from the <laughs> Feywild uh, that the Truth Serum uh, are made of, and he chews them like chewing tobacco. Oh my gosh! Uh, he chews Fey leaves. He chews Fey leaves. Uh, I, I write them weird. as Truth leaves on my sheet. Of course. Uh, but Thomas is great. I, I, I really enjoy playing him. So the different editions are all like every time a new edition comes out, new books come out of yes. yeah Because they, they, they tweak. Because they, the nice thing about all role-playing games that no one ever really cares about is that they always, or at least that they used to, old D&D books would say, these are just a suggestion. Right. Yeah. We can't come into your house and make you follow these rules, but... In order to like balance out classes and make it challenging but not impossible, we've 
we've tested these rules and these seem to Giving work well. Although that's that's something that uh, they kind of changed in 3.5 or a third edition uh, for the D&D fans out there. They kind of made it that like these are the rules. This is the way the universe works. Uh, in in an idea that they could make everybody more connected to how the how the mechanics of the world work. Mm-hmm. The problem is, this created people who we called rules lawyers who mm. would argue incessantly with the dungeon masters <laughs> about like that's actually not the way this works. This is the way this works in the rule book. So technically, my character can do this. Right. So in recent editions, including this most current one, fifth edition, that I'm a big fan of. Uh, they put in like big bold letters like the dungeon master is the final call. That's if he great. says yeah. this is the way the wor- w- rules work, even if it's not the way we wrote them down, the way he says goes. Just that's really go interesting with it. to so, empower them. But so, that's after years of long winded D and D arguments over minutia. Yeah. I'm, I like am decades. so sure it's almost like the kind of people that would be drawn to something like that would also be drawn yeah. to having that well, kind of argument. You've also got arcane and divine magics, both of which are like made up, and you're, it sort of changes how like physics works. So it's it's people who love math and science trying to establish math and science for a completely oh. different world where they work differently. Yeah, there there were some fun things. There's in a lot of house rules mm-hmm. uh, in third edition. The funnest part of being a rules lawyer was you could. Tell technically get around some things i remember uh uh uh, a dungeon master had set out this giant army that was marching up a hill uh trying to siege this castle and the players were rushing to get to him first and the the dm had set up this great scene of they're on a bridge trying to cross it trying to do a shortcut and they can see the army just below the bridge like about to like storm the castle and standing in front of the bridge was uh, a giant stone golem and stone golems are immune to magic and their wizard was incredibly overpowered and the gm thought like this is the way i'm gonna fuck them over uh and the wizard got his initiative off first the gm's like Great, I've planned this camp. I've planned this this uh, this fight for for days. What are you gonna do? And he's like, I cast disintegrate. And the DM's like, Haha, golems are immune to magic. And he's like, That's why I cast it on the bridge. And uh, the bridge disintegrated, uh, and the golem fell down and crushed the entire <laughs> army. And the GM crumpled up his paper and threw it away. <laughs> That's so funny. I actually have a similar bridge story. That this was not in a campaign that I was in, but I played with a group that I loved for about a year, and I heard this story, and it made me laugh really hard. And it, it wasn't like an fu DM kind of thing, as much as it was just really fucking clever. Oh yeah. I don't I know why I said things. fu and fucking. It's <laughs> it's so <laughs> really. <laughs> it's like the other day when we had that conversation. Oh it's yeah. Like, what it's, was it? It's it's effing fucked up. It's, it's effing <laughs> fucked up. Someone, we were talking to someone who said it's really effing fucked up, and we all laughed. Um, and they didn't mean to do that on purpose but there was like this big it was another like magic can totally just win um, if you combine things in a clever way because there was there was like this big ravine like a big cliff and uh, there was like an army marching around or marching towards this cliff and they they cast an illusion that there was a bridge and then they cast cone of silence over the bridge so this army marched up to the bridge, took a step onto it, all fell to their deaths, but you couldn't hear anyone dying. So the entire column Everyone of soldiers kept doing it. just lemmingsed off the cliff and none of them knew until they were dying that it was happening. So they killed like 
a thousand people. That's really funny. Uh, there was there with was a, two low level spells. There was a similar one where we were playing like a I think like eighth level we were starting off at and the three I think this was with with Chris and Nick. Uh I, I my Always character Chris bought and Nick. my character bought these arrows that were displacement arrows. If they hit something, it would teleport them ten feet. Uh and uh what edition there, was and that? three point five. It was in the Dungeon huh. Master's Guide. Uh, and uh, we were fighting some giant asshole who kept, like, healing his health, and it was really grinding. <laughs> a Not literally a giant a asshole. Giant asshole. Exactly there, right. I mean, if you go through the monster manual, there's stuff that looks like a giant yeah, asshole. I'm but, sure. Uh, the, the whole, the whole, the <laughs> whole literally. finishing point was uh, behind him, like, a couple feet was this giant chasm. Uh <laughs> And I shot two arrows. One I kind of arched upwards, and the other I shot at him. And I rolled, like, I think an 18 and a 20. So the idea is the first arrow arched over him. The second arrow hit him, teleported him 10 feet. And the other one fell on him, teleported him 10 feet into the chasm where he just fell down and That's died. That's amazing. Uh, it is also it. not an easy roll to make. No, right. 18, 20. Uh, my f- oh my god! On a twenty-sided die. I got one other story to tell, just because this isn't yeah. mine, but I always thought this was hilarious. Dungeon masters use skill checks in a funny way. It makes the players uh, really enjoy you. Uh, my my friend Talbot Equiler, who was in one of my first games, came back from college and told us of a campaign where one of her friends uh, was playing this uh, monk, and he met a saucy half orc in a tavern and wanted to seduce her, and critted on the seduction. So the GM made everybody roll listen checks to see if they could fall asleep that night to the sounds of copious lovemaking. With a saucy half-orc? I loved that. At some point in every D&D campaign, you will have to roll dice for sex. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen frequently, but I've done it. I'm willing to bet at some point Bennett has d- done romantic skill I, checks. I usually make my players roll for constitution. Usually it's like a constitution check for like endurance. Yeah, if you if you last the first one, I'm like, all right, you can roll a dex or strength check. It's sort of like a drinking contest, but for sex. The community episode with the with the <laughs> sex uh, joke was one of my favorites. I'm it familiar. Happens. Yeah. It's it's also funny to have a bunch of like, you know, night 18 19 year old white guy sitting around being like hey, i'm gonna roll to have yeah. sex with that thing <laughs> i gotta uh, and then we have to just sort of basically be like yes we all support that we are a little sexually frustrated <laughs> uh, it, well, let's high five and move on that's that's why that's why it was funny <laughs> for me like going to college because in high school i most of my first games were played with like as many women as there were men so when i got to college and i couldn't get a single girl to play dungeons and dragons i couldn't figure out why i was like i know it's the joke right but not <laughs> one of you really wants to like play some cool fantasy stuff at a theater school right you see that's but that's a good like head to have about it is to be like no there are plenty of women who want to do this too <laughs> like uh be inclusive kids be inclusive what an important thing for the for gaming in general, huh? But then don't Seriously. be weird to the women in your group. Yes, mm, true that. I just feel don't, like I need to put that out there. That's yeah. a real good point. Don't invite ladies just because you want to try to roll constitution yeah, checks. The to token see if lady. You can yeah. can my character seduce your character? Ugh. No, because they will always stab you in the eye, <laughs> and the DM will let them, yeah. and they should. Right. Just uh, be cool. How do you feel like um, that? D and D love and those uh, you know seemingly kind of laid out or laid out rules, but obviously you can kind of have your own fun with it. Where did that start branching out into your own things? Like obviously you, Brendan, started with uh, 
not D and D proper, but mm-hmm. a similarly like already structured game. Where does where do the the pencil and paper type play make as you go things come in or i guess D is also considered paper and pencil yeah. Yeah. yeah it's the original one okay uh the og rp pour some out for gary guy <laughs> OG. where so where does uh where do they really what <laughs> when do you really get in deep i guess is what i'm asking when you're when in sitting your life or or when in point of doing <laughs> the game does it become like oh god i'm gonna just do this forever um, a little of both, I guess, when in your life and like, what was, what were the games that you started branching out in? I mean, when we first sat down, you guys rattled off a bunch of different things, a bunch of different, um, one of my favorite ones, ones that, that I, you play that I ever played, uh, it was in my days of doing post by post plays, uh, is I couldn't find a good D and D group to play, but I saw kids who wanted to play the Pokemon tabletop yes. game. So I, I played, did not even know that there was, I a played Pokemon one, game. I played one campaign of that. And then some of the people started dropping out early, and the DM really wanted to keep playing the game. Uh, and I was really into it, and I've always had my idea of what I would do if I got to, like, reboot Pokemon. So I wrote my own campaign based off the first Red and Blue games. and Which did, are amazing. Did an ongoing campaign, and it was the most rewarding moment of my life because it was the first time I ever got to, like, be a DM. Cool. Uh, and I wrote a scene for this kid who had his whole backstory was that he hated his dad. His dad was a dick, and he hated his dad because that's what you do when you're an mm-hmm. angsty uh, Pokemon master is you hate your dad. Sure. And I wrote a scene of him listening over the phone as his dad was caught in the Pokemon wilds because my game was a little bit post-apocalypt. Uh, and he listened Poke to his apocalypse. He, he listened to his Hello. dad. He listened to his dad explain. <laughs> His, his, his whole thing was he he like Pokemon in this world are, are still kind of like a scary thing. Uh, in my uh, years ago, uh, like something happened and Pokemon were just released, uh-huh. and for three years, the elements just went wild and people were basically trapped in their home because outside was just a raging storm of everything. Right. And if you went in tall grass, no, you, you were, were not going to avoid a Pokemon. <laughs> so like like a Pokemon purge. Uh, <laughs> a, ab- about about like a year ago. Uh, things started quieting down, but people started leaving their houses, and it was just overgrowth everywhere. It's my explanation for why the whole Pokemon world is just, like, towns and forests. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and his whole thing was, like, he had a Pokemon when he was a kid, or he, like, befriended one, and the whole world was afraid of them, but he was like, no, Pokemon are cool, and his You're dad right. saw him and snapped its neck. <gasps> that was, like, a Nidoran. Uh, and and so he was like, that's why Never I hate my dad. So I set up a scene where he's listening to his dad die over a radio, and his dad gives him this whole backstory about how his mother was killed by Pokemon, and he knows that the kid hates him now, but he couldn't stand it because when he saw him with that Pokemon, he just snapped. He couldn't lose his kid, too. Literally. So he went and he killed the thing, and he knows that his son hates him now, and he doesn't care because this is a tough world, and you have to be tough for that. And if this taught him anything, he hopes that that's going to be okay. And the kid that's came up amazing. to me afterward and was like, I cried. Like, <laughs> he like he like sent me he like PM'd me a message. This was by post by post, and he was like, "That was that was the most incredible thing I think I've ever I've ever had Aww. done with like a character plot." And that was the moment where I was like, "Storytelling's awesome." That's so cool. So, are you and your dad cool? No, <laughs> Bennett. <laughs> Bad term. No, I love my dad. The the next game really needs to be Poke Apocalypse. Poke Apocalypse. That's amazing. Or it's like Adventure Time. It's secretly the future. Uh, but that's that's when that's when it clicked to me that as fun as it is to make characters based on the mechanics of the game, uh, the fun part about role playing games is they're story based games. Uh, currently on our Tuesday group, uh, it's the same group. We've lost a couple people, so we've brought in some new kids, 
and I saw the two new ones really bogged down in their sheet. Mm-hmm. Like, I see this a lot with new players in, in role-playing games where they're trying to look exactly what their character can do mechanically, and that's when I kind of had the realization for Thomas that, like, I put his sheet down, and I started just doing absurd things. Mm-hmm. I started, uh, uh, now whenever he makes an intelligence check, he somehow builds a clock and then smashes it, <laughs> and, and the clock answers him something. Uh, and we, we joke, like, the higher the roll, the more, like, intricate the clock. So when he rolls, like, a nat 20, he makes, like, a futuristic eye watch and then just, like, smacks it on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then a dying Siri gives him information. Yeah, basi- basically, yes. <laughs> and they started, like, laughing at that stuff. And that's where I, I met the fairy jizz and started eating, like, the truth leaves and started putting, like, a lot of story-based elements into it and, uh-huh. and trying to teach them that, like, yeah... A lot of D&D is like math and rolling and fighting monsters, but it doesn't have to be. The game can be whatever you make it to mm-hmm. be. But that, yeah, you don't, it, it definitely helps if you think of it like you don't start with the math. You just have it there so that you can use it when you want to do something. Yeah. So uh, if, I don't know if you say this directly to new players, but it's sort of like, you know, you have an idea of what kind of character are, vague idea of what your abilities are, you know, what your equipment is. Um you tell me what you want to do, and then we'll look at your sheet and see how that happens. That yeah. is, in my very limited experience with uh, RPGs of this nature, I think that's great advice because I was yeah. definitely the first time I played going like, but what can I do? You know, like I, I just, I think there was a disconnect between um, – but you can do anything, you know, and, and... But here's the 20 skills that you have very specific points in. Right, exactly, so... Uh, and, and it's hard, I know, because uh, as fun as story elements are, you will always fight monsters in D&D. Usually, like, you can do... You can totally do campaigns where it's all, like, political, mm-hmm. like, the, the South uh, kind of, of Westeros-style campaigns. But typically in D&D, you will fight monsters at some point. And it's, it's hard uh, when you see one player rolling, like, a ton of die doing a bunch of damage. And you're like, okay, can I shoot it? Oh, I, I missed. And, and players get, like, really, really depressed by that right. stuff. That, that was my it's action. Just, like, uh, a simple thing that didn't work, and then we move on. Or uh, that's why yeah. I, 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 tr- I tell uh, new players that you probably want to stay away from magic users. Or if or if you do, I tell them, like, just just do fucking shoot em up ones. Just do ones that do, like, fireball and stuff like that. Because, Point, click, evocation, uh, because stuff. Because every character is useful. You just have to know the time and place. Uh, and... Your character won't necessarily be built to be the one rolling a ton of die and just, like, doing all the cool stuff. Uh, but your character can do cool stuff. You just, you, like, it, it, it's a little hard to, to to show off what every character can do without kind of, like, quarterbacking them through uh, through the first yeah, couple right. fights. And you kind of don't want to do that. You Yeah. Y- you want to wait for them to, to have, like, the click moment, and mm-hmm. that feels really good to watch. But, uh Yeah. And also, uh, especially if you start low levels, failing is good because that means that you tried to do something, it didn't work, and then because you can do a lot of different things when you level up your characters, which if you're with a group and going through campaigns, someone's got your back. Yeah. Um, Unless you play one of those weird infighting campaigns where all the alignments don't match. I 100% Um, recommend starting off at low levels because then you have just like a few things your character can do. And once you know how to do that, you level up and get some more things. Because if you throw in a player at like eighth level... You might know what all your characters can do, but they'll be like, okay, what, 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 which one of these am I looking at? Yeah. yeah. But you don't know how that evolution happened. Yeah. But if you start at level one and you try to shoot a guy and you fail, when you go to level two, you may want to take a 
put points and abilities that let you shoot people. Like yeah. you can make yourself be good at the things. Oh, sure. You can you can be like, oh, well, that didn't work, but I want to be good at that. Mm-hmm. And then you can totally build your character towards being good at the thing that you didn't know that you were bad at until you tried to do it. I try to let my characters be like, I want to be the wizard who has really good diplomacy for some reason. Mm -hmm. You Um, you, you always, you like, or at least from my point of view, I always like to let players build the kind of character they want, but I always find new players uh, really uh, overvalue charisma because like, oh, I want my character to be really cool and like beautiful. Charisma's a dump stat. (laughs) Just know that, kids. Unless you're playing a bard. Sorcerers for life. Or a sorcerer. Charisma's your dump stat. How do you feel like those, uh, like, so you mentioned the different types of characters and, and people starting out and, and trying to choose. How do you feel like that factored into the, the fight quest characters with the, the four of you guys um, being up for grabs by, by the hero? Fight quest got to be a little different because we give the players a lot of his options and because we choreograph the fights ahead of time, they'll always look like badasses. So sure. they, don't, they don't need to be bogged down in the mechanics enough as much as the choices. So I I debated if I wanted to do like the core, which for people uh, in who, who haven't played D&D, the, the four main classes, quote unquote, are clerics, wizards, rogues, and fighters. Uh, but fighter is pretty generic. Uh, and for a thing called fight quest, I decided yeah. that I wanted to steer away from the spellcasty ones and just do all physical classes. So we that settled makes on... A lot of sense. We settled on the I, or I settled on the idea of it doesn't matter really what the class is. I wanted to have uh, four different combat styles. Physical. So it was unarmed, uh, quarterstaff. Uh, uh, originally, it was dual wielding swords and uh, knives and daggers, and dual wielding swords turned into uh, just a long sword and a wolf companion. Awesome. Uh, and that fit into ranger. barbarian was unarmed uh, with kick-ass bracers. Monk is quarterstaff. Uh, the ranger has her sword and her wolf, and the uh, rogue has her knives and daggers. Yes, a number of knives and daggers. That's awesome. I uh, was just curious to see how that kind oh. of factored in, especially because I would imagine that not everyone who participates is really familiar with the structure of how that should look in making those decisions and, yeah. and picking those battles. So we to make speak. it pretty easy for them Mm -hmm. it's i mean it's it's like heavily inspired by our experiences with things like Mm D and sort of like fantasy rpg combat trope things but Mm -hmm. like we don't we don't make them do a lot of math we don't make them have to have like the whole bank of knowledge to understand the show it's yeah, you could you can never have it's played like, a D and D game in your life or any role playing game, and you you can go through our show. You just have to have an idea of like what kind of personality you want your character to be once you pick them, and mm-hmm. it's really one of two or three options. So it's like, do you want to be you know the the brash, reckless, run ahead, just want to get to the fights kind of person, or the like stop, hear them out, negotiate, probably still end up fighting them, but, you know, try to do other things, try to do, you know, maneuvering skill checks. It's styled like an RPG, but structured like a choose-your-own-adventure book. So a lot of the role-playing moments come in the, like, if you decide you want to be the reckless fighter, turn to page 13. (laughs) If you decide you want to be the cautious planner ahead, turn to page 12 kind of idea. That's awesome. And I would just like to interject at this point that about 20 minutes ago, I remembered the vampire clans I forgot. (laughs) Let's hear it. I actually had left out two. Let's no start it from the top now. Name oh, them all. God damn it! <laughs> the two that I forget left out were the Lasombra, okay. who have Obtenebration, which is shadow manipulation, Ooh. which is awesome, and the Zamitsi, 
is the clan that I was trying to think of, which in the game I mentioned, Vampire the Masquerade Redemption, you fight a lot of them, and that's how I remembered it. Uh. I don't know if I can go do all of them again. All right, I won't make it. <laughs> but yes, all the ones I said before, plus the La Sombra and the Tanisi, and that's all the vampires. That's ones. great. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that came back to you. I, s- I thought I saw yes. you counting on your fingers at yeah, some when point. Yeah, when I sat here with my finger on my nose for five minutes, that's what I was remembering. I remembered. Uh, um, what are some yes. of your favorite uh, other um, paper and pencil RPGs aside from the ones we've already covered? Uh, Pathfinder is a very good plug for people who like 3.5 D&D, uh, although I'm much more on 5th edition. Uh, if we're moving away from like those kind of games, we talked a little bit earlier, but uh, for those of you out there who kind of like more storytelling versus uh, versus math and combat. I am a huge fan of Fiasco. Fiasco is a Coen Brothers-styled uh, role-playing game that is just supposed to turn out horribly for you. Right, yeah. Like, you make a character, and you know it's going to end in disaster, which is hilarious because the first time I played the game, knowing that ahead of time, I decided I wanted to make an asshole to watch his life fall around, fall apart around him, and instead, he was the only one who got a happy ending. Classic. Classic Cobros. Yeah, Fiasco. I've only heard about this game. I've never actually played it. Yeah, same. I but I have friends who like uh it's it's like you said as as you introed it, I have friends who would never dream of sitting down and playing a D and D campaign. They're just not yeah, just that kind of person. It. Like they just wouldn't. And the first time I talked to them after they played Fiasco with our mutual friend and past guest of MBSing, Mike Migdahl. They came back to my apartment and were just like, oh, my God, you have to play this game. It's so much fun. And it, it blew my mind. It, I was, yeah, it does. I, I, was, I was just so surprised that a game that incorporated the same, like, concepts or general structures was something that they could get that into. Uh, so I think that that's probably a testament to both Fiasco and Mike for Mike being Mig- able. Yeah. Shout, you, you did a slow shout out, but but big shout out to Mike Migdal for introducing <laughs> me to Fiasco. Fiasco yeah. is a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, and they have a ton of uh, like fan made uh, covers for it. I think in the book itself, there's like four settings you can play in and it's like suburbia, mm-hmm. um, wild west, some like Arctic research lab and the fourth one is oh like a southern town mm-hmm. uh like uh yeah a very uh like uh, raising arizona yeah kind of kind of setting and uh but online there's a bunch of cool ones i found like uh, a slasher cover called return to camp death that i really like cool uh i just all supposed to die the idea is it's like uh, it's like friday the 13th the sequel uh last like last year there was a big massacre and now all these people are returning to camp uh and you could be like a new person or, or somebody who like survived the tragedies before don't be the first person to do it the yeah. first yeah. people to do it always die uh there there's another one i found that's kind of like superheroes and supervillains that was that was pretty fun i'm sure they're just like blowing up now oh i feel my like God. it's one of those things that's gaining a lot of uh, popularity it's great and there superhero was fiasco setting or mutants and masterminds uh fiasco setting uh okay. But Mutants Masterminds is another great, uh, great game. Uh, although I think it's better for building characters than it is for playing through, because it's got a lot of stuff for how to build characters. And it was one of the first settings I ever found past D and D where I was like, "Oh my god, this is so vastly different and interesting." And I won't go into the settings of Mutants and Masterminds, but if you've it's, played role playing games before, superhero D and D. it's a paper and pencil game where you create a superheroes and a superhero team essentially cool. and fight 
whatever you want. It's like like Sentinels of the Multiverse is to kind uh, magic ish, <laughs> and then yeah. like that yeah. this is to D and D. You you make your own hero and you fight with it. Yeah, it's it's like a very involved paper and pencil version of Sentinels, which I, is a great game. I, I bought Sentinels. I bought too many expansions of I Sentinels. I never win Sentinels. I don't but I love play it, it often <laughs> enough. Um, but yeah, you're talking about fiasco. Uh, fia- yeah, Fiasco is great. They they had a they had a sequel to it where they they gave like a couple other examples of. I think the sequel book is less like more stuff to do and and more like less stuff to do and more how to play like yeah. how, how to how to go through a story based game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they gave four other settings which were like a prom. Uh, fia- I think named like Fiasco High or something. Uh, <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, a title called uh, Regina's Wedding. Uh, a I think like an outer space one. I think like mission to Saturn or something like that. And I don't think I remember what the fourth one was, but uh, but man, I looked up that I looked up all the like kind of supplement material as soon as I played my first game of Fiasco. Are are the Coen Brothers have to be aware of it on some level? No I, idea, honestly. I, yeah, probably. I hopefully. would think that they would. Yeah, I would think that they would be super on board. It just seems like I'd love to watch them play a game. That would be. Um, can you imagine a fiasco? Uh, that would be like I, I've, Coen Brothers play a game of games. I've always wanted to see a celebrity D and D game. Once I found out like Stephen Colbert and Vin Diesel mm-hmm. and like Patton Vin Oswalt Diesel. and Robin yeah. Williams, all these people. Well, play D&D. yeah, like Patton and uh, Brian Posehn. Oh my god, do I would, I would pay stuff on, so like, much money to play D and D with Brian Posehn that, and Patton Oswalt. That would be amazing. Like I Jesus believe it's Christ. Brian Posehn's show. It's just called Nerd Poker. That's. Uh, uh, podcast of, nice. of them playing games. So I'm sure if you looked up nerd poker, you'd find some combinations of people that would be like, yay, this is what I wanted, but I want to play with them too. Yeah. It's like the only reason I want to be a celebrity is so I could be on celebrity shows where I just get to hang out with other celebrities. <laughs> where they're your peers instead of the people yeah. that you look up to. Well, I don't have to, I, I can, they can be like, I loved you in that movie so that I have free reign to be like, I loved you in I'm that movie. I'm a huge fanboy of all you guys. <laughs> yeah, right. So I could be on somewhat equal footing. Sure, um, sure. But I get it, that. Uh, I, I have not played Fiasco, and you mentioned that people who, the idea of sitting and playing on a and d game of them is, like, mentally abhorrent. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's because, I, as I hear it, Fiasco is sort of more like, you make, like, a dumb character, and you're expected to have it go horribly, so you can just not really care? You can just sort of be, run into it recklessly uh, well, and not have the, to do math. And The idea of Fiasco is you, you less build your character and more make your character based off the relations you have to the people sitting next to you. Oh, that's right. Uh, you have two postcards in between every player at the table, and you go around the room assigning relationships to people, and you can either do a relationship between the, you and the person next to you, or two people uh, like uh, at the table. And uh, there's like broad categories and then subcategories of them, and you go through the the like pre-round establishing what everybody's relationship to each other is, mm-hmm. and what things they have in common, either a location, an object, or a need they both share. And then once you have all of that, you decide what your character is based off of of what you have and go into it. So uh, there's kind of built-in incentives already just based off, like, I have wants and needs, and I can't wait to see how my character tries to get them. They they kind of give them to you. Yeah. 
I do think it's more uh, of a simplification. I really think that would like be the biggest D&D for people with shorter retention spans. Yes, uh, it, it, n- seriously. N- because <laughs> one of the people that I'm talking about, that's the biggest hang up is like, it's impossible to, t- I like, she likes playing games and I like playing games with her, but the attention span problem of like learning how to play the game is a big roadblock. So I think Fiasco going like, okay, you feel this way about this person. And like, you know, what yeah. you just described was just quick enough to pick up on and be able to play with whereas most in my experience of your more uh, traditional RPGs are a decent amount of setup you know rolling for your characters oh the first hour is just character and creation back in back in the 3.5 days and that's the best part oh you're just sitting there like I gotta roll for my stats and you're like oh crap I rolled because if you roll for something just just 15 minutes just to get your six right. stats, which is, like, one, the tiniest part of your and character there's sheet. Like, and I loved it. There's so much, like, just little like, things you have to do. Like, 3.5, third edition was awful just because you'd be like, great, you want to join my campaign? When can you meet beforehand? Yes. Right. No, not, not, like, for an hour. Like, when you do you have, have to the, do the day off for me to help you build this Jeez. character? Have um, to have your characters so in hand when you sit I, down. I will what say a though, huge like roadblock to playing a game. <laughs> oh yeah, use pre-made characters, kids. Uh, just to, just jumping in. Although I will say, yes, uh, Fiasco I think is less like D and D for low attention spans and more like here's a story. Here's like a commutative storytelling game, mm-hmm. uh, similar to another game called Dread, uh, which is very fun. It's a horror slasher game similar to Fiasco, but the only rule is it uses a Jenga tower, and every time you do an action, you pull a thing out, and when the tower dot falls, whoever pulled out the, that piece dies. That's so it amazing. gets really tense. Uh, but Jesus. if you want a, if you want a, I have a low attention span, but kind of want to play D&D, or I have friends who have low attention spans, but kind of want to let them play D&D, I cannot recommend more highly a game called Lasers and Feelings. Okay. You can find all the rules online, and you can print out the whole rule set on one sheet. I keep, like, three of them at my house. Lasers and Feelings is the greatest easy game. You basically... You pick. Uh, I can. I can look up the rules now. I hope it's really not self-explanatory. Uh, I hope I'm actually <laughs> relatively familiar because uh, friends of the Nerdlogs, uh, who I'm, you guys might be aware of, James D'Amato has a, a podcast called One Shot. Yep, I played it. Yeah, I, play, I first played it on them. Yeah. Yes. He, he and I've listened to uh, at least one episode, if not a couple, where he played Lasers and Feelings with the people from Improvised uh, Star Trek. Nice. Uh, I love those guys. Yeah. So yeah. to create your character, you mm-hmm. choose a Great style and a role. Your style can be alien, android, dangerous, hotshot, intrepid, savvy, or sexy. <laughs> and your role is doctor, envoy, explorer, pilot, scientist, or soldier. And then you choose a number from two to five. Uh, high numbers mean you're better at lasers. And low numbers mean you're better at feelings. That's so funny. Uh, And that's the entire thing. And when you roll for lasers, you're trying to get under the number you have. And if you're trying to get feelings, you're trying to get over it. So if you have a two, that means you're really good at feelings and not good at lasers. Because if you want to get your laser roll, you have to roll under a two. And if you uh, want to, but if you want to roll feelings, you just have to roll over the two. And if you get the number exactly, you roll laser feelings, where you get to, (laughs) where you get to ask the person running it. Uh, one question that they will answer honestly and it's supposed to be very simple so you like if you're the person running it there's like a thing on the side of like how to create the space adventure and you don't have to go too hard into it uh make a very simple uh simple concept for it and then just like 
let them go through it in one like one quick campaign session that can any last anywhere from like an hour to three hours depending on how hard you want to go into it but I've had so much fun playing this to the point that like whenever one of my players I have a Monday night game that's been going on for two years of now. lasers and feeling no of, uh, uh, just uh, in of general new people uh, first it was just a board game night and then it turned into people who have never played D&D who wanted to play D&D cool. so they finished their first campaign back in like December or maybe early November uh-huh. did they all and die they didn't they they won yay and uh and now they're in their second campaign and I'm very proud of them but uh but I've played lasers and feelings with them a lot and whenever we have somebody missing they will ask, can we play Lasers and Feelings then? Oh, that's great. Uh, Lasers and Feelings is great. Did you ever have a moment what, teaching them to play D&D where the, the first person felt comfortable enough to challenge you on like a rules issue and you were like, they, they, they know the rules well enough to debate the fine points. Still no. Okay. <laughs> like, all, all of my players I feel like that'd be real, a very proud papa moment. All of right. my players are very when new. Someone goes, well, actually, like, and you just go, play play yeah. and because they're all new, I let them get away with like a no, lot of No, it's sure. masterwork. No. Uh, Gannon Reedy was actually nice. the most experienced player in it. Uh, Mike Migdal's roommate, and uh, he had a character named Bullrock Cumbringer. Uh, of of the clan come bring her. The funny thing is that I think that Mike has like mentioned that character name around me before because yep. that's just Mike is He's so infamous. such a like. I feel like you'd odd, know if you heard that. A silly little oddball, yeah, and like it's such a specific character that he'll he'll throw things like that around. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention um, before we moved away from uh, the lasers and feelings conversation is that uh, James and Cat of uh, One Shot and Campaign. Those other shows uh, made a a card game, uh, not dissimilar to Utter Nonsense, uh, if you're familiar. But it's basically Utter Nonsense is just like uh, you get an accent, and then um, each person like it's it's the same construct as Cards Against Humanity, where each person has a deck of sayings, and you have to play the saying uh, and say and use the accent to say to that the like common accent for everyone so you're trying to choose the funniest saying in that accent oh. <laughs> um so he you know they're like they have not been covert about the fact that they basically ripped off that uh that construct but their game is called noisy person cards mm. and the cons and the 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 goal of the game is to help people get better at rpg character voices oh so like nice. all the character all instead of like accents or the black card quote unquote in cards against humanity it's like alien or cat person or you know anything that you might encounter in the wide world of rpgs that's sweet and then a bunch of sayings also that you might encounter in the wide world of rpgs and and i thought that was such a like i told james this this morning because i actually saw him uh at another show um that uh I was like, you know what? That's a really noble cause. Like, that's so <laughs> cool to be people who are very used to, uh, you know, performing on mic, uh, performing on stage, being creatives, uh, and trying to open up open up the ability that that br- gives you to people who maybe don't, and yeah. like, and 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 making that fun for people. I was like fucking awesome they their kickstarter is still live they're fully funded but i'm sure that they would love uh some some more i'd I'd get in on that (laughs) james if you're listening get me back on one shot i had fun last time (laughs) and i would love to come too because i keep emailing him i'm like we would love to come on i want to james put both not even for like i won't even mention the company i just wanted to like 
do the play just, again. Yeah, I wanted to just go play with those guys. He's a very very busy man, yeah. but I know that uh, he loves having people who are are game to do it. Maybe so. if he listens to this podcast episode, he <laughs> will understand our commitment to the gaming world, <laughs> and he would. I don't know where that was going. Uh, yeah, I I, I just love, wanted to. Uh, I was just imagining just play. phrases. And I was just imagining the possibilities of phrases and accents right. to, to end up to try to think of what I'd have to do. It's like right. I, I love. I games will mend your leather armor in a cat person voice. Like, right. I don't know. I love games that introduce new players <laughs> to scenes. Uh, it's something I've kind of learned with my board game night because. Uh, Whenever we have somebody missing, we default to board games because I have too much of an obsession with them. Sure. Uh, and a lot of times, I think I can sympathize. I think Brandon might be able to sympathize with this with me. I like really extravagant, complicated, like convoluted games. I Arkham love Horror. games that take more than an hour to explain. So, uh, yeah. So uh, it got to the point where when my players would be like, what game can we play? I'd be like, oh, let me check. I can't show them that one. No, that, that they wouldn't have fun yeah. with that one. You I just actually looked do down. I the really, <laughs> do I really have 20 games and not one of them is playable with this group of people? So yeah. I started really looking for games that are Games like, that only say the playtime is 90 minutes or longer. Yeah, something real simple. Something you can just get into. Sushi Go is great. I love Sushi, sushi Go. Go is amazing. Yeah, you taught me Sushi Go. Sushi Go is so much yes. fun. I, I, I was one of those games where I it made no sense until the scoring round, and yeah. then you go, got it. Exactly. If Once you play through once, one, you totally yeah. get yeah. it. You have to fail once on your face, get six points, and then you're like, great. That, no, no, I know all the cards. I know the point system works. Done. Moving that on. was a game that I was like, I have to buy that so that I can teach it to the person who got really yeah. into Fiasco because I'd be like, this is easy enough for her to pick up. Or uh, like I taught my sister uh, Resistance Avalon, mm -hmm. uh, and she texted me a week later saying, what was that game that gave me too much power? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think big Can you be more specific? <laughs> right? No, I know exactly what she was talking like, about. Coup, love letters. Oh, I want to buy Coup. Uh, I I play Coup a lot, but I yeah I have love letters, and yeah. I kind of feel like that's a very similar game. You, do you they have are. love letters on you right now? No, I I usually do though. You almost that always <laughs> have it on your person. That was not a, that was not a bad question for him to ask. Right. That's fair, There have been a few times where that came up and it was not physically on your person. It's a really small deck. Uh, like you can play so many games so fast. Mm -hmm. I love bringing it to conventions and shows. Love I'll play it in like great pickup and booths play. at like if I'm like at a restaurant with a friend. I'm like, you want to play some Love Letter if they know how to play. Like yeah. you want to joust some Love Letter. It's great. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. It's the yeah. new regular deck of cards. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I uh, I have. Think, well, we think we're ever going to come back to that where people just start inventing new games for a regular deck of cards again, other than drinking games. <laughs> I feel like that's why people have decks of cards now is for drinking games. Uh, I True loved. Uh, or is it we just got tired of the pictures and just invented games with our own artwork? Uh, yeah. When I was a kid and I I got my first tarot card uh, deck when I started doing readings in like middle school, I loved the kind of trivia behind it of learning how that translated to the deck of playing cards we have now. Where mm -hmm. I think it's a. Uh, uh, sticks became clubs, uh, swords became spades, cups became hearts. Oh, yeah. And, that makes sense. And uh, I think the last one is like coins became uh, diamonds, obviously. Right. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. The other thing is like it, most of these pick up and play games, like 
could be pulled off with a regular deck of cards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I think before my boyfriend bought a copy of Coup, he like made one with a deck of cards and was just like kings mean this, queens sure. mean uh, this. Thro- throwing it out there, totally nothing to do with the studio we're in, but uh, one of my favorite things about Cards Against Humanity originally was that you could print it out if you wanted to. Hell yeah. I, I mean literally it's just words on paper. Yeah. Free to play. It's amazing. Uh, they are <laughs> still to this day like shocked that they are a successful business <laughs> they've been giving away their game for free since they made it <laughs> mild, mild curiosity the people who are here what is your favorite white card in cards against humanity off the top of uh, your head because i know mine immediately what was that windmill full of corpses is her okay. Eliza's. i don't I, I haven't played it enough to memorize i like any of the two cards. midgets shitting into a bucket <laughs> Minus ten thousand volts straight to the nipples. <laughs> Do they are they aware of the fact that they have effectively ruined the game apples to apples? Oh me? yeah, oh, just yeah. destroyed it. Nobody wants to play that game because yeah. I I played apples to apples in college and was like, this is so much fun. And then the first time I played Cards Against Humanity, I was like, I can never go back. <laughs> oh, it's too this is boring. A better version of that game. See, it's what the game always was meant to be. It's it was weird too though because I played so much of that game in high school uh, because you know theater kids that like I got sick of it real fast because I was a big board game fan, but that's the only game anyone ever wanted to play. It's also mm-hmm. not really a game so, like, as much as an activity. Yeah. Yes. So every party when somebody would be like, "Do you guys want to play Apples and Apples?" I'd be like. I guess if you want to play a game that is designed that you can just leave whenever you want and it doesn't matter yeah i mean and i know there are plenty of people who feel that way about cards against humanity at this point for some reason it's a funnier cleverer version of apples to apples for some reason though i don't like cards against humanity is just vulgar enough that That like replay value for you a couple christmases ago i played it with my mom uh uh, uh, an aunt uh, like an aunt through marriage and uh a different a different uh, maybe just a different aunt uh-huh. and uh i had to explain to them what bukake was mm, <laughs> i feel like that's the most explained card yeah <laughs> it's great when you when you when they're like what the hell is bukake and you're sitting there like please somebody no, no, else no, tell no. them and no, they just no. don't know and i'm like so bukake <laughs> for those of you who didn't grow up with the internet <laughs> this is a really weird side story but i just got back from Japan about six weeks ago. Oh, no. And there was... <laughs> it's not going where you think it is. Oh, damn. Good, good. I did not get bukkake done. <laughs> just get off the plane. Like, that, welcome to Japan. Is There's, that the proper usage? bukkake on? <laughs> I don't know. I am very bukkake proud. is a verb. Yeah, I'm, would you just say bukkake <laughs> I am proud of my ignorance of the conjugation of bukkake. <laughs> but... I my, it was like my last full day in Japan. I uh, my friend had left before me. I went. There's this one street um, called uh, Takashita Street, which is like three blocks down, basically an alleyway. And the best part of Japan is the alleyways because they fill them with nothing but stores. There's every single alleyway in any major city is they use all of their space because it's a lot of people in the sure. country. Yeah. yeah. So there's no such thing as like an alleyway that's just garbage. It doesn't exist. It's all alleyways have shops in them. It's amazing. That's cool. But there's this one area called Takashita Street um, between Shinjuku Station and Shibuya Station. I forget what the actual Shibuya. Shib- Shibuya is where the the like biggest I love like that the song biggest the, music, cro- man. the biggest multifaceted <laughs> crosswalk in the world is. 
is right next to Shibuya Station. Uh-huh. There's I forget what the name of it. There's one stop in between the two of them, right next to the 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 area with the Meiji G Shrine. Um, but uh, and Takashita Street's where all the the kids that dress up in like weird cosplay hang out. Sweet. And I didn't really see any of them. But there's this. I was wandering through it and just looking for stores. And I got really hungry and went down into this like underground udon store just to get like a nice bowl of fast food udon. And I was looking at like their like your your number one, your number two. Mm-hmm. So like there were only like four choices of basic things because my Japanese is not very good. It's very basic conversational. I didn't know enough to like specifically order stuff. But like the four basic options, three of them had the word bukake in the name of oh, the item on the menu. No, no, no. And I was like, surely there's another context for that word. No. Nope. But I don't know what it is. <laughs> no. And I was like, I'm not going to say the word bukake out loud to these Japanese people. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. So I ordered the only thing on the menu I could find that didn't have the word bukake (laughs) in it. I was like, I'm not going to order like the, the udon taco bukake. I'm not going to do Did that. Did you then look I, up what I that love means? It. No, I just never thought about it again. I love this is some weird, obscure udon shop that like you don't know, but everybody just like stands there waiting for some tours to be like, order one of the three things so we can jizz order, in your face. Order the bukake right. udon. Like, but, but my, my mind goes was. to like, is it like sprinkler fr- flavored udon? Like what is, <laughs> what what is, is the, the like, possible trans- other meaning? Like, right, right. Like, is it sauce? Sausage flavor, like I don't know. I where don't know that, either. Where did that word come from? Kids at home, Google what flavor is bukake for <laughs> us. <laughs> no. And all the pictures looked the same because the nice thing about Japanese restaurants is there's always, always pictures. pictures. Always right. pictures. That's great. Right. Just if nothing else, then for tourism reasons, they're like you can always just point. It's, it's really like easy. It's like a Denny's on every block. <laughs> the Tokyo has Denny's. I really? shit you not. Weird. For some reason, there is a company that decided they wanted to put like Seven Elevens and yeah. and Denny's all over Tokyo. That to- is like, bizarre. In my experience, I was driven though, around Tokyo and I found four Denny's, and they're like in really nice buildings. They're not in like they're they don't like have sight of the road places because yeah. it's like in. Tokyo. In my small. experience, though, like in even their Seven Elevens and McDonald's are cooler. Like, they're you way better. Ju- yeah, they're they're so much better. You yeah, like eat. I knew they had McDonald's. But. I had to explain to someone that you could not eat the sushi from a Seven Eleven in Oklahoma <laughs> <laughs> because the sushi in Seven Eleven in Japan is amazing. It's of great. Course, it's like four dollars and it's, it's like awesome yeah. because it's from like four hundred miles away fish that was caught three days ago. That's hilarious. But yeah, so I I have no idea why, but I was I. I was like, that's the one I wanted by picture was like the one that said bukake in it. But I was like, I'm going to order something I don't want because <laughs> I, I had to do like an actual physical physical head double take where I looked at it, looked up at something else and then went, what did I just read? <laughs> <laughs> and it said, yeah, it was like udon something, something bukake. No, I don't. Uh, anyway, so that's my Japanese bukake story, which if I just call it my Japanese bukake <laughs> story sounds way different. Yes. Yes, yes it please, does. Please, kids, go. Go we'll Google we'll find flavor. out what that flavor is. I'd imagine it's salty. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet the follow-up question. Did you just try to glide past that into a segue? Yes, I did. So, do you think at a restaurant that serves uh, that serves this bukake, do they ask you like, where do you want it? Oh no! In the bowl, and they mean like on the side, and you're like, <laughs> it's just not in my hair. Oh, usually, everything comes on the side. Everything is pretty build your own over there. Nice. 
little boxes, bento boxes. Oh god, oh, god. I all love train bento. station bento is delicious. Uh, kids at home who we're who doing like it uh, wrong over here. Yeah, kids everything. At, we're doing everything wrong. <laughs> kids at home who want to socially. make more uh, Japanese they, they food. There is a uh, YouTube site I love, a YouTube channel called Cooking with Dog. Mm. That's just a woman who cooks oh, with her dog as the host, who like does a voiceover talking. <laughs> I think I have. Uh, I was really hoping you met Dog the Bounty Hunter's cooking show. Oh my <laughs> god. I never knew I wanted to see a show as badly as I do now. Because his regular show's dumb, but if he did a cooking, <laughs> cooking show, show I would watch it. Who do you want? Like, pick a, fo- pick a Food Network celebrity. Because off the top of my head, I want to see, like, Ina Gardner and Dog the Bounty Hunter do, like, a Oh, his co host that actually is the cook? Yeah. Right. Or the, sorry, the chef? Yeah. Uh, I was anyway. trying to think of like what the <laughs> what his about? like news subtitle would be. It would be like Dog the Pastry Chef oh instead God. of Dog the Bounty Hunter. Uh, I was gonna. So we mentioned there is. What are our? Who? Okay. Roll it back. <laughs> Roll it back. What do you think? Uh, you would feel remiss if you didn't speak to where uh, pencil or paper RPGs or or these tabletop RPGs are concerned. We've, we've kind of danced around a lot of different things. We spent a decent amount of time on D&D, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but is there anything that we haven't touched on that you feel like uh, you would feel sad if you didn't speak to it? I would just say the, the reason I got into it initially was to be part of a fun, friendly group. Mm-hmm. Like the, the game, like I, I kind of... Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know which one's which. I don't know if I if I came for the game and stayed for the people I was playing with, because I was doing it to just hang out with my brother's friends who I thought were way cooler than my friends. Right. Um, and they were only like two grades higher. But when I play games like that now, or when I did it in high school or in college, it was always me. It was like we we wanted to hang out because I was from Oklahoma. So you either go to the mall and see a movie, or you just sit in someone's house and do nothing. Straight and up, we were all, South Carolina. We were all like it was mostly the theater kids and we were all big nerds and theater kids so we would get we'd be like oh great we would just have an excuse to hang out with a big group of people and do something that was free yeah uh basically mm-hmm. and and then it helps if you can get really really into it if you're a nerd and like really complicated games but i'd say if if you think of D and your first reaction is like well, I'm going to not do anything for 30 minutes and sit and wait for my turn and listen to people argue about rules. Like, sometimes that happens, wrong. but for the most part, it's it's as fun as, like, playing fiasco. Mm-hmm. And if you if you just, like, can get over the, the, the weird stigma of, like, you don't have to do a character voice. Because it seems, like, intimidating because there's so much stigma around D&D mm-hmm. and types of people that play D&D. Like, the people I play with, are pretty normal people. We kind of turn into big, huge dorks when we play the game, but they're all well-adjusted people who have, like, jobs. Right. Um, it's more fun to... Because I've quit <coughs> D&D games that I loved the game, but I didn't enjoy the group of people. Yeah. Sure. And it's, it's more about the people you're playing with than it is 100%. about the game. The game facilitates having a good time with friends. Yeah. So if you're looking for an excuse to, to be a big nerd geek dork and spend a lot of time with people you genuinely enjoy the company of and and kind of throw caution to the wind and if you want to be a big bombastic character or if you just want to be like 
I'm the quiet rogue who just does the math in the corner. That's perfect. You can be whatever you want to be. That's the beauty it's, of it. It's very inclusive as long as you just, you know, treat all the other players with respect. Because there's always that one guy mm-hmm. who wants to kill everyone else in the party, and we don't understand why. Don't feel bad if you're the game master to kick those players out. Like, don't if let it's, that if happen. It's, if it's not for your group, do not feel bad. Even if you like the person, if it's detrimental to the yeah. health of the group itself. Group dynamics are very important. Yeah. And if, if there's always, like, one person who's just, like, steamrolls the whole thing and always makes it about their character and tries to like backstab other people or steal from the like it's usually always the guy who wants to play the rogue who's never played a rogue but is like i refuse to play anything else because i want to be an asshole that also sounds so much like Um, being on an improv team it's uh, (laughs) kind of right it's a big group of people and then one guy who's kind or one person because it doesn't have to be a guy that's just like doesn't really gel with everyone else trying to have a good time Mm -hmm. and it's really more about just having a good time and the game facilitates that, and you can bend the rules. You can you can say like magic doesn't exist. You can yeah, you just have to have a good, you a good GM and people who are really just want to hang out and have a good time. Uh, I will and say, then drink. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. just get old enough to where you can drink, and then drinking really facilitates it. <laughs> I'm gonna second what what Brendan said. Uh, this is a community based game. It's it's about it's about storytelling as much as it is about f- like fantasy or combat. And it's just about friends who want to hang out and just, like, shoot the shit and have a good time. I will say, uh, as the biggest tip I could give to uh, players who have played or who want to play and just can't find the time or a group, you just have to make it a priority. And I know that sounds kind of obvious, but it's really not. Uh, If you you try to plan around, like, okay, well, when can we all meet this week and when can we all meet next week, and you try to have everyone build – like build the time to play around other people's schedules. You it's will never play. Happen. You will never play. You have to pick a date that people can play and make regularly, and you just have to make it a priority and make everyone at the group have it as a priority. We're playing Sunday nights. We're playing Tuesday evenings. Or even if it's once a Saturday month, Saturday mornings. You're like, it's yeah. the first Monday of every month. If we're that busy, just put it on your calendar. Hit repeat event. I will. I recommend though. Uh, I mean, it, it might work better for you than it did for me doing monthly events, but uh, I say play weekly because yeah. if you do it monthly, you, c- you can totally do it, especially if you have a group of committed veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you don't, if you have like a lot of new people, they're going to get there every month and saying, okay, what did we do it's last time? It's hard to build steam. What, yeah. Why yeah. do we care about what we're doing right now? You'll no. forget. You got you to do it every week, and you just have to... Screw that. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> every day at this time. No, you get... Don't you, stop from... like Start at one. Don't stop till you're level 10. Uh, the idea is... Part of the reason I like any kind of tabletop game, but especially RPGs and paper and pencil games, uh, are because of the community it brings. Uh, local multiplayer is kind of dead. Right. Uh, and Nintendo's we, trying, man. Nintendo's trying. trying so they're the only ones who give a shit. We'll always have Smash Bros. Uh, I was noticing that. Like, as the more we get into the the future gaming systems, I was like, even like Xbox used to have four players split screen a lot. And that doesn't exist anymore. Because they want every person to buy their own version of the game. It's, right. And then it was all, you had and to be in different places. And they want everyone to have PlayStation Network if yeah. you're playing yeah. on PS4. And it's whatever like, it's whatever it is. And you can still enjoy playing these games with your friends uh, over, like, either if you do, I don't know if people do LAN parties anymore. Uh, but like you can, I did. I'm sure people still do you LAN can, parties. Yeah, <laughs> you, can, you can have your fun doing that. And I, I still do uh, with certain, like, online games. But... <laughs> Uh, there is, you can't understate the charm of just having people around the table 
because even when, like Brendan says, you get bogged down with somebody debating rules with the GM, it's not like the whole table is sitting there waiting for you. Right. If you have if you have a good D and D group, the other people are immediately Everyone, going into conversation yeah. with each other. Your team. DM strategizing, yeah. talking about like, yeah. all right, we're going to come up with this combo where like you're oh, a halfling and no. I'm an orc and uh, I throw I, the halfling. And I wish I had players who are standing there going like, all right, well, now that we have a moment, what can we plan? And <laughs> no, it's they're all talking people about tossing like, their turns. I wonder the pile. if we can catch RuPaul's Drag Race before we go to Berlin tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that's how your D and D groups go, right? That's that can't be just mine. Uh, uh, or you go get another drink. Yeah, true right. that. Yeah, true or that. you go get yeah. another drink. You gotta have you know, respect for the fact that other people are involved. Make just, it fun. Just get a good a group good of people. Uh, make characters you'll want to enjoy. Don't get too bogged down in the rules. Uh, if you're if you're the game master and you're new and you don't know a rule for the players and they're all looking at you expectantly, just make it up. It doesn't matter what it is. Make it up. Decide that that's how the rules in your world work and just stick to it from now on. You can look it up later if you're curious, but. Keep things moving. Don't feel the need to like go down and look what the book says. Because again, it's you decide everything, and like you you have a vague sort of stat. Like you have your character sort of written down in a piece of paper, but like the DM isn't a computer. It doesn't. You don't get a game over. Right. If if, if like the DM rolls all natural twenties on an attack and murders everyone, he can just go. That didn't happen. I'm rolling again. Like, uh, and the, at the end of the night, you have the story that you told in your heads, and that's it. The best players won't so just care make that either. A good, like fun story. They'll be there with you. They just want to know, like, if they if they can do something. Uh, Give them or 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 some speech. or some of them will even like let you know, like, oh, this is how it works in the book. Like, I don't know if that's why you want to do it. Very few people will wait for you to not know the answer, ignore looking it up, and then say your own way of how it works, and then confront you that they know the way how the rule works right. and you are wrong. If you have those players, you can just feel free to kick them out right now because they're not looking <laughs> to have fun. Or just let them know up top, you're like, I'm going to just headcanon a lot of these rules. Yeah. It definitely um, seems overarchingly to be more about the journey than the destination. 100%. Yeah. The whole game is journey. Right. You don't get to 20 and get a, and get a cookie. Right. It's just, did we have a good time tonight? That's right. the only thing. Like with any game, but I was going to say, Ben, are you going to give him the whole of Dyson Men, good DM, great DM speech? <laughs> I totally could. I, I remember most of it. Uh, don't be afraid to cheat is the is the moral of that uh, whole speech I made For, back in the day. Being DM is hard. Yeah. Uh, you got to take care of everybody. But ultimately, yeah, you're only there to make sure everyone's having fun. You're not there to kill the players. You're not there to 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 make everyone like to like to 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 be like the big bad person. You're playing the villain, but you're also playing the townsfolk, and you're also playing their like mentors and their loved ones. All and everybody the NPCs else. or you're, non-player characters. Exactly. You're just there oh to make God. sure everyone at Noisy the table. Noisy person cards in PC. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, nice. Was like a double. Oh my God. They That's what their game is called, and they totally did that on purpose. They've Mind been calling. Blown. it in PC, but I thought it was just an abbreviation for noisy person cards. That's the universal Hilarious. term for just extra people but in the world. See, they're they're so good. We they're so mind. good at what they do. Uh, Thank you for helping me make that connection. That <laughs> happened live, people. Yeah. Uh, Mary Beth's head just exploded. It truly did. But yeah, don't don't be afraid to cheat. Uh, <laughs> if your players are trying to do something very abusive, and you roll to see if like the town guard or the king uh, they're trying to rob can see them, and you roll a one. That's why you have the DM screen. Right. You can roll it and pause for a second and be like, he rolled an 18. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't do it just to screw the characters right. over. Let them get away with stuff more often than not. But yeah. 
at a moment where they should not be able to to get away with something like this in the world. If they try to pull some crazy shit. Like, they will have just as much fun if they know there are consequences, if they know there are none. Right. Trust me. Like children. Like yeah. children. You kind of have to treat them like you're raising good children. Uh, awesome. Boundary. Establish boundaries early. I think a lot yeah. of what we were just talking about will, will dovetail in nicely to this uh, last question. But... Uh, how do you feel like your love of paper and pencil RPGs has influenced you creatively um, and then kind of overarchingly in your life? I know we've talked about this a lot, so just uh, tie a little bow on it. Uh, for me, because I do a lot of uh, writing in my spare time, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've got a lot of my head cannons. Uh, it just made me think a lot more about uh, character design, uh, less in how the character functions and what kind of cool things or powers or, or personality traits that they have, but more, how do they act on a day-to-day -day basis? When people cool. meet them for the first time, what do, what do they think? Uh, uh, the person who hates them more than anyone else in the world, what's the one thing they still respect about you? The person who love loves that. you more than anything, what's the one thing that still kind of bugs, uh, you, the uh, bugs them about you? That's great. Uh, stuff like that and uh and ultimately it's just a good way to to have fun uh if, if it taught me anything it's that like everyone's a big nerd you just have to get them in the right situation love it mine's not as good of a bow but that's okay nailed it i i think one um, uh, obviously the hanging out with i think i got friends from playing D D that i didn't have before um or became better friends with the ones that I did have, where it was like, this is a shared experience we all have. So we, sure. we grew as friends, other than the times where we almost literally choked each other over really <laughs> stupid bullshit arguments, <laughs> over whether or not like you were metagaming or not, or it's like, you didn't know the potion was in the dead guy's bed. Yeah. There's always that point. Like, I, I, I have D&D arguments that still haunt me that I was like shaking afterwards. Oh my gosh. Um, but that's, that's not the majority of the time. Also, we were, we were young and reckless. These things but, matter, um, right? I, I, in like the like really complicated board games. Like, I like playing things like uh, like the Game of Thrones board game, and I we used to play Twilight Imperium, which oh I've never God. played a game more complicated and longer. I've never finished a game. Of no Twilight one. Imperium. I'm convinced no one has ever finished a game of Twilight Imperium that did not end in a very Monopoly esque way with flipping the board in the air and someone leaving mad. That sounds like I a nightmare. But I love <laughs> the first four hours of that game. Oh, um, God. That sounds but, so awful to me. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's because it's you have – it's in, in games like D&D, &D, if you – depending on how you want to play it or, or really complicated board games that have tons of rules and circumstances. Kids, just play Cosmic it, Encounters. <laughs> <laughs> that game's fun. fun. That game's fun. That game's fun. Or uh, – um, uh, uh, Gravwell is another really Gravel great really fun. Mensa game. Um, but I, I, it's, it's holding a lot of variables in your head, and it's a lot of problem solving. And I, I think it keeps my brain sharper playing those kind of games. So even creatively, I think when you're trying to keep all the math in your head, trying to plan out your strategy versus other people's strategy with different abilities, sure. plus also trying to remember how, what kind of person you are and trying to figure out how to work just events in your existence. I think that stretches your brain in ways that it, that other things don't or yeah. you wouldn't otherwise. Sure. The juggling so, act. Um, I feel like 
my ability to go into a situation and try to come up with like four ways out of it, three of which are realistic, two of which I want to do. Right. Like being able to do that that fast. I can't snap <laughs> into the microphone. I snapped. That that fast. Snap oh, fast. Um, pick it up. I can't. Oh. And then when I when I did like got into improv and acting more later, and then writing stuff, and then working on things like the show, mm-hmm. having to come like when we were. Uh, two days ago, we were sitting down trying to flush out the script for the next run of the show and, and putting in more choices. And That's right. Yeah. You're putting it back up at uh, Comedy, Comedy Sports. Sports. Comedy, yeah. Yes. Segway. Like such a good, good fit. Yeah. Fit. It's going to be so much when fun. When you told me that, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Great job, dudes. <laughs> June 8th through July 27th, kids. Yes. On doing what it- night? Wednesday oh, Wednesday nights Wednesdays? That's at 8 p.m. Man, that's awesome. That's going to be such a good house um, home for that show. So, like, I feel like it it makes me able to handle life better. Or it makes me, whenever I have problems in life, like, oh, I don't have any money, but I also have to do, and I have to, actual real life problems, I feel like I'm able to to dice them up better and make things not seem insurmountable and, like, do better problem solving mentally. Um, is one aspect of why I love really complicated games because I feel like it it makes me smarter. Yeah, um, sure. And also, um, th- I might just be, this might be total bullshit. <laughs> um, but I would like to think that when you have to play as someone other than yourself in a group of people who are playing people other than themselves and very hyper-stylized people <laughs> most of the time, that constantly having to spend like one day a week and a few hours a week interacting with different people as a different person, I think it helps build your empathy skills. Oh, oh totally. Cool. And, and your your general understanding of like how to give other people in real life like the benefit of the doubt. Oh or my like, gosh. I think it oh actually God, yeah. your interpersonal skills, I think actually, even though that the it's the stigma is that it's the opposite, that it's antisocial people right. have to play D D because they can't interact other ways. But I right. think it also helps you learn how to interact with different types of people better in your life so that That's you're great. you're at least used to encountering insane types of people and actually sure. having to respond to them and sure. still achieve goals. Because yeah. you have to be able to work together. Because you point. have to be able to, you don't have the option of not work. You can't just be like, all right, we're all going different directions. The Fuck team. off. Yeah, no, side note, for, for you players out there who will not work with the group in a Dungeons & Dragons style game and your excuse to the dungeon master is, well, it's not what my character would do. Bullshit. Then, no, roll up another character or decide really quickly why he's hanging out with these people because that's not the point. That's not and that's not how focus, life works. Don't focus on why your character wouldn't do something. Focus on why he would. Yeah. If you're with these people, you're going to go on this quest, just justify it somehow because if your character doesn't want to do this, then... He should just leave, and you should just roll up a new character who will. Yes, yeah. and baby. So yeah, yes, and hundred percent. It very much like if you have to do anything with groups, whether it be at work or creatively, or if you're playing D and D, like having to learn how to get along with people. You learn how difficult that can be sometimes yeah. when you play D and D. Hence the crazy arguments. But that's when you get bogged down in like not trying to work mm-hmm. together, or other metagaming rules. But um, that's awesome. Yeah, I th- I think it actually helps you be around other people more. And I totally sometimes buy I, that. And I, I don't think now that's that... bullshitty at all. Okay, good. I, I was like, this might be. No, this no, might I love sound it. I actually saw an article like but... not too long ago that said people who play D and D or role playing games in general have more empathy. I can't. Wow. I was like, I don't have empirical data to support this. I and apparently do. there is. <laughs> not I, me personally. I don't. But <laughs> right. But I, I shared would it like on to Facebook that. and I got four likes. <laughs> I would like to believe that that's true. I'll try to find it. I, or delightful. at least I've I had those 
knock down drag out arguments and then we never had them again because we realized that they were one pointless and two not helpful for anything right. there's nothing to be gained by screaming in someone else's face from a stubborn point of view god and if that isn't a uh, an important life lesson for 2016 no yeah especially for this yeah. day and age because we don't have the option of not all being here together so right. you have to figure better out get the fuck you said. you've got your skills i've got my skills we can make this work together can sure. i throw out one quick psa i feel please almost, okay uh, one of my day jobs is I teach chess to uh, elementary school kids. Nerd. Uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> if you didn't know that yet, I don't know where you've been. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, not enough people play chess anymore. A uh, couple, it's, well, because I love chess, but it is not a strictly good board game, uh, especially for new people, because yeah. so much of the game has been figured out, and a lot of the game is no as all skill no luck right. which means if you are a better player you will it's win no every fun. time yes. and the person you are introducing it to will just have no fun learning yes. it yes uh, it's a great game if you're playing with somebody as good as you there's no game better cuz you know 100% all of the decisions you're making are on you but it's not the best game to be like oh you've never played board games before let's introduce you to chess sure uh real quick though I was subbing a class I have never taught at the school again, uh, but it was way out uh, in uh, the kind of west side of Chicago, and uh, it was with this other guy who I ended up being friends with later, but this is the first time I met him, and he said, well, this is a kind of small group. I'm going to be with all the little kids. There are just four older kids who always go in this corner. Just watch after them. And I said, great. That sounds like an easy hour to do. So the kids came in, and these four kids went exactly where he said they'd go in the very back, and three of the kids started setting up the board immediately and one kid took out a pe uh, uh, just a notebook and started writing down like classes wizard m uh, monk uh, fighter something like that and like a couple different options and then lay them out while the other three kids were setting up the boards for him and then one of them would be like okay I'm gonna be the mage okay I'm gonna be the monk okay then I'm gonna be the the, the thief and then they started playing chess and he's like all right you you're in a forest and you come across a hole in the ground what do you do and they started like talking through it, and I went up to them. I was like, "Is this, is this?" Because they were playing chess. I was like, "Is this part of chess or just on top of it?" And they looked at me kind of scared because they'd never seen me before. And they're like, "It's on top of it. Is is that okay? We're still playing." And I was oh. like, "Yeah, do you guys like <laughs> as long as you're still playing? That's that's, that's all. That's all I'm paid here to do." So I kind of like walked away, and I came back later, and they were like in a town. One of them was like in a fountain doing something, and I I was like, "I have to ask, are you guys playing D and D?" And one kid asked, what's D&D? &D? No. And the other kid who had the notebook immediately responded, it's Dungeons and Dragons. The story behind this kid is his dad played Dungeons and Dragons. It had like a weekly group, but the kid asked to play and the dad kept shutting him down and saying no. So just by watching what his, like, just by watching his dad, he kind of just invented the rules himself that he does and That's started amazing. introducing it to his friends. And I was so heartfelt over this kid i was like if i would have known you existed i would have like brought my books yeah. i would have donated them to you seriously do you get picked up by your dad after this class he's like no i like i wait for two hours in an aftercare thing and yeah. i was like then i can't stay Dang. over yeah. but i wanted to lecture his dad like and be like play with your you. kid even if it's even if you don't want to like i get not wanting to bring him into your friends group because sure. you guys do your adult thing that's right. fine he's but turning play with other your games kid. into D D so that he can be like you play with your kid like <laughs> <laughs> invite him and his friends over some like Saturday afternoon and dungeon master your son through a campaign. Let him do your dialogue clearly, let him sit in your lap. He clearly wants to play you. I, and like, I, that was the moment I knew like, I'm going to play D and D with my kids. Aww. That, man. Your kids are going to fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's very possible. Uh, well, just cross your... If they're into it, you'll play it with them. And if not, you'll have to figure something else God, out. Dad, I just want to play football. Jeez. It's like Patton Oswalt's bit about yeah. how his... He's like, my dad was an army colonel. Look at me. He's like, my kids are going to ruin my life because I'm like potbelly man boobs but D&D. That's, that's my PSA. He's like, my kid's going to be like jacked like muscle. But he's going to be like, yeah, threw your Blade Runner gun up on the roof. Nerd. Just, just, my kid's going to beat the crap Parents, out of Parents, that's my PSA. If you have a hobby that you are passionate about and you see your kid wants to play and you don't want to introduce them to quite your group because that's your kind of personal time, I get that. But play with your kids. Seriously, introduce it to them. If they see, if if you see they have an entrance, uh, an interest in it, take them aside, like invite some of their friends over and and play it with them. Because what more do you want than to like have something in common with your kids? You will appreciate it later. I guarantee it. And also, thrown back to the Wascos, they started playing in middle school and they got perfect scores on their literature uh, SATs. And they claim it's because when they were in middle school reading their D and D books, they'd find words. They'd be like, I have no what idea what that? that means, and they'd look it up. All of my knowledge of medieval armor and weapons comes from D and D. I know there's so a lot of words I only know because they showed up in it's nerd. It's educational and, and it will help social skills. It is. Do it. Uh, that was a really sweet little PSA slash uh, anecdote. That, I'll never forget that kid. To close this. How with. old is this kid? He couldn't have been older than uh, what's fifth grade like. Ten, uh, ish. Yeah, yeah, ten, eleven. He uh, couldn't have been older than that, mm. and I'm not even sure he was at fifth grade. But man, I was always upset. I never went back to that school because right. I would have. I would have brought that. You, kid like, stuff. yeah, because at the drop of a hat, you'd be like, "Here, please take all of this. Yeah. I don't need it. Since you do." Then, since then, I've always wanted to like go to a school and do some like after school tabletop yeah. titans kind of thing. I, I'm sure there are places around that would welcome that. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming. Pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is fun. Of course. Uh, best of luck with the rest of the shows at uh, Public House, and then yes. you have one more. Two. We have tomorrow because right, we're recording this on a Saturday. Right. Yeah. So I I doubt they'll. Get It'll this. be up Wednesday. So yeah. so after this comes out, we'll have one more on uh, May twenty twenty second twenty second May 22nd is our last show uh, Sunday May twenty second at seven p.m. At the Public House Theater is our last show of that run. Then we have about two and a half weeks off, and we start our comedy sports run Wednesdays at 8 p.m. at uh, June 8th through July 27th. Very cool. Fight Quest, a choose-your-own-adventure fight show, starring Bennett Decker-Botero and, and Brendan, Brendan Stallings. Stallings. <laughs> I shouldn't... It's, I shouldn't have, have said my own name. name. Yeah. Let's do that. Come on, man. Bennett Decker-Botero. <laughs> and Brendan Stallings. Where's there my... I need my horn. I need my... <laughs> It's over there. There you go. You got the bell ring. Ding. There's Thank a bunch you guys of so effects. much. I love you, and I mean that. I mean, uh, we you. love you too. <laughs> This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.